I'm excited as we continue uh, in our series. We are going to be in Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Colossians chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to there. Uh, But we are continuing in a series that we started last week that is called Go for the Gold. Go for the Gold. All right. Anybody watch opening ceremonies? Oh, this is sad. I stayed up way too late last night watching the rerun of it. Is that pathetic? Apparently, according to you guys, it is. Because no one even cared to watch it live. All right. Yeah. It, I love it. The Olympics so much. Anyone caught any Olympic events yet? Watch some? Okay. There's at least a couple hands going up. I love the Olympics. It is so much fun. I've loved watching the little bit that I did. Uh, I, I'm a soccer player. I love soccer, so I've caught some of that. Unfortunately, the women's team did not do well. We are like the best in the world, and we lost badly our very first game. But we can still come back. All right, so Olympics are going. We are excited for that. Uh, And we want to just do a series where we kind of take some ideas from the Olympics, just kind of in a fun way, and say, okay, there's some parallels that we have in Scripture. Uh, And we want to look at those just kind of uh, as a summer series here. So last week, we actually looked in, in the letter 1 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul wrote. And I want to read our passage from last week because I feel like the passage last week really is kind of this like, it's a passage that, that is an overview almost for this whole series. Like we have to understand this. If we're going to understand anything in this series. So it was 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 20, or verse 24 in chapter 9. I'll just read it quickly here. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And these verses are a great challenge for us. Uh, not just in this series, but just always in our life in general to remember, uh, to remember this. and The level of commitment to be an elite athlete to their sport is insane. We talked about that last week. All right? And it's crazy how committed they are to their sport and to doing the best and to moving forward and to be getting better at it. Uh, and I wanted to share with you guys something actually. So Pastor Kyle, he's the pastor in Sox Center, uh, where both churches are going through this series, uh, but we kind of write our own messages, and, and so we were talking this week, and he said, yeah, he shared something he, he had said last Sunday, and I want to share it, summarize it for us, because it was, it hit me hard, just this little statement, uh, and he said, sometimes we sit on the couch, and we watch Olympics, or we watch a sport, or something like that, and we get excited, and we're invested in it, all right, like if, if you are someone that loves sports, think of your favorite team, All right, biggest game of the season. Like, how invested are you? You're emotionally invested watching this as it's happening. And he said, it reaches the point where all these things are going on. Maybe they win, and you're jumping up, you're cheering, you're excited. And it almost feels, it almost feels like you are part of the team. Right? Like, in this small moment, you lose it, and you're like, I'm part of this victory. And and, and Kyle just said this. He said, don't kid yourself. You have not put in the work. You are not an Olympic athlete. You are not part of this. And then he said, here's the deal. Some of us, we like to go to church, and we sit in a seat, and we're excited, 
And maybe we even celebrate what the church is doing, what God's doing. And we clap and we cheer. But don't kid yourself. Sitting in a seat, being excited for what's happening does not make you a Christian. And it's just this moment of like, as he's like sharing this, I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, Jesus, my life is yours. Like, I'm just kind of like, oh, that's so good. And so it just was, it was challenging to me. I wanted to share that with us as we move into this today. Like, understand the commitment level. The commitment level. And they do all of this for a prize that fades away, is what Paul says. We do it for something eternal. How much more commitment should we have? All right, so let's just be ready for what God has for us this morning. Uh, I just want to be in a spot of being committed to what God has, uh, willing to take whatever steps it would be. If you can and if you would, would you stand with me across this place as we read our uh, passage out of Colossians this morning? We are in chapter 3. Starting in verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. God, I pray this morning that you would challenge us in a new way. God, that we would be ready. We would be open to whatever it is. God, if something happens this morning uh, where all of a sudden we're starting to feel a little offended and our hair is kind of standing up, God, I pray that we would take a moment and just say, God, is this you? Is this you speaking to me right now, challenging me? God, because we want to give you permission to do that right now. We ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat So one of the sports in the Olympics that gets, I think, a ton of press and people watch a lot, but really never gets any press outside of the Olympics is is gymnastics. All right, I'm not really sure why that is. Maybe it's because the U.S. is pretty good at gymnastics. Maybe it's because we have, like, the best gymnast ever right now with Simone Biles. Like, she is amazing. If if you don't follow gymnastics, like, she's just kind of crazy in this. Uh, And one of the gymnastic events, uh, and it's probably my favorite, is the balance beam or the beam, okay? All right, here's the deal. Pastor Kyle and Corey, this is the Sox Center stage. They're a little crazy. And Kyle just calls up Corey and he's like, Corey, I want a balance beam on the stage. He's like, all right. So Corey starts calling around. They call someone from the church that's big into gymnastics. And they're like, oh, yeah, I have a beam. Do you have a trailer to come get it? And Corey's like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it in your hands. <laughs> and 30 minutes later, they're on the road with a balance beam. And so they have this big balance beam sitting on their stage during this series. Um, and, and so I, I wanted to give us this visual, though. Uh, the balance beam, this, this is crazy. Like, gymnastics is crazy to me. All right, I am not flexible. Like, I failed the sit and reach test in gym class. Did you have to do that? You, like, sit down, and kids are holding your legs down so they can't bend. It's torture. And then you have to like try and push this little thing. I failed it every single year. I'm terrible. I'm not flexible. I cannot do a cartwheel. All right? Like as a child, I thought running in a circle till you fell over was a cartwheel. Like that's what I would do. And I still can't do a cartwheel. Gymnastics is not my thing. All right? Then I start thinking about this. Doing it on a four-inch, less than a four-inch beam. Okay? So we, look at this. This is, this is a shot looking down the balance beam there. Now, that actually doesn't look that bad. Uh, The next slide here shows what it looks like when you are standing on it. 
Okay, Pastor Gabs, the youth pastor there, she got up on the beam and took this picture for me. And she's like, I hate this. This is terrifying. Please let me down. You know, and so like you're looking down at this little beam and, and you think about all these amazing things they do. Like people do backflips on this. It's crazy. And, and, and here's the thing with the balance beam. Every little mistake that you make is exaggerated. Like think about this. If you are doing a floor routine and you do a backflip and you land one inch over from where you planned on landing, not a big deal. You do that on a balance beam and you very well might be in trouble unless you just have one really strong leg that you can land on. Like that's, that's not going to go well. The balance beam, it, it, it's crazy. And I've, I've never had good balance to begin with. So when I watch this, I am in awe. I, know I started thinking about the, uh, uh, the scoring on balance beam. Anyone ever confused by scoring in gymnastics? Okay, real quickly here. I looked it up this week, and someone here is probably way smarter than me, and I'm sorry, I'll probably get something wrong. But this is my understanding as I read several articles trying to comprehend this. Um, basically, you, you come up with a routine. You say, I'm going to do this trick, and this trick, and this trick, and this one. And you have 90 seconds to, do, to get it done. And then each one of those tricks is worth a certain amount of points. And then you kind of get points for combining difficult ones together. Because that's easier than, you know, doing a hard one than an easy one. All right? And, and all of this comes together, and it is called your difficulty score. And you get that score just for making it. Like, I could join gymnastics, and I could come up with a routine, and I get that score. But that's, like, not even half of your score. Now you have what's called the execution score, which is actually getting that done. All right? And, and, and that is difficult all right, so you have the difficulty score, you have the execution score, and, and all of this together gives you your points. All right, now if you fall, if you wobble, if you don't do things smoothly from one to the next, you are going to lose points. All right, so all of this comes together. Now, I love this event because I feel like the balance beam is like this idea of our life. Like it's an amazing analogy. And in life, we get up on this high beam and we feel like everybody is watching us. And every little mistake that we make is on display for everybody to see. Like, even though people aren't really watching us, do you ever just feel like everybody's watching you? And you make a mistake and you're like, man, everyone's going to remember that forever. And people didn't even notice it. But we, and you're walking this tiny little path and we try and do it perfectly, but it's difficult. And... And for some reason, I feel like we, we applaud people in life that choose to have a higher, we'll, we'll say, difficulty score. That's why I want to talk about the scoring of the beam. Like the people that are like, I'm going to make my life more difficult. I am going to run my kids to every little sport there possibly is. And I'm going to work an extra 15 hours at work this week to get more money. And I am going to take on all these extra things and serve on these different things. And my life is more difficult. And we look at people like that. We're like, man, that's amazing. Look at what they're doing. And they're setting themselves up with this massive difficulty score of life, trying to have it all. All right? And, and then all of a sudden, if someone falls off this balance beam of life, like sometimes people just don't even forgive them. It's like, oh, man, look at that. Life's terrible. They, they are so bad at this. Okay. Yep, I knew they couldn't make it. I knew they couldn't do all of that. And we almost sometimes, there's part of us that maybe even kind of cheers, like, oh, good. They were doing something way more difficult than I can do. Now I, now I can see they're, they're just like me. 
all right? And our life feels like this balance beam that we're trying to walk down and stay in one spot. And maybe, maybe things are pulling us one direction or the other. Or actually, maybe you're here today and you're like, no, balance beam, that would be simple. That's not what my life feels like, all right? And maybe your life feels more like this. All right, I have a video clip. It's just going to be going in the background here. This is from a Japanese game show, all right? And, and, and this is life for you. You're on a wobbly bridge, and it's falling every direction, and you're getting pegged with volleyballs, maybe by your kids, maybe by your coworkers, and there's just things flying through the air, and you're trying to get through the day. And you're like, this is my life. Right? Like, a balance beam, that's easy. <laughs> and life is just difficult for you. Right? Like, this idea of, of this balancing act that we try and play like, how do we walk through life, stay on track, and not get pulled or pushed one way or the other? How do we stay true to where we need to be going when there's so many different things in life that we can focus on? Where do we focus our energy? Where should we be putting our time, our resources, our life? That's a massive question that every single one of us has to address in some way or the other. At some point, you, whether you realize it or not, you have made this decision. Where you put your time, where you put your energy, you are doing this. You are, you are playing this balancing act. So do we try and add all sorts of things in life and look like we are super dad or super mom or this amazing person that is balancing all these things? And I, and I think most of the time when people focus on different areas, their attention ends up landing in, in three different spots. All right? So we tend to focus on, first would be our finances. Whether we realize this or not. Like when we think about our focus in life, we tend to focus on our finances. All right? How much money am I making? Do I have enough? All these different things. We, we focus on our family. Whether that means that you are, you are married or not or anything like that. Like our family, our close bubble. Like that's what we focus on. And I think we focus on our future. Those three areas automatically draw our attention because they are high importance and they are right in your face all the time. Like you have to pay a mortgage or rent and you have to buy groceries, you have to fill the car with gas. Like that is right there in your face. You can't ignore these things. All right, and this idea of do I have enough money? Could I be making more? Maybe I should go and get a different job so that I can make more money and all these different things. Uh, if I have more money, what am I going to buy? I could have a nicer car. I could have a bigger house. You know, if I had more money, I'd worry less about money. Well, that's not true. It doesn't matter how much money you have, people worry about money. That's just how life goes. And we focus on our family. Do my kids have all the best opportunities? Do they have the best things? Do they, do they have a better life than what I had? And do I look like the perfect family that I want to look like? Am I posting enough pictures of everything going smoothly in my life and a clean house and all these different things? And we focus on our future, and this overlaps with the other two. Like, how can I have more money in the future? <laughs> how can my kids have a better future? You know, what, what do I need to do so that I can be a snowbird and have a second house or a cabin and, and go down to Arizona and, and all these different things? Like, this is what draws our attention. This is the typical American dream and, and the rat race that so many of us are running. 
Would you agree that these are the areas that draw our attention in? Then people realize uh, this thing and they have this great enlightenment where all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, you know what, I really, I'm running myself ragged. I need to focus on, and this is the fourth thing that people focus on, I need to focus on my self-care. And this is like kind of a hot button thing right now. Like, I'm going to focus on making sure that I'm good. Because if I'm not healthy, I'm no good to anybody else. If I'm not healthy, what's, what's the point in having more money if I can't be healthy and spend it? And if I'm not healthy, my family won't be healthy. Now, if I'm not healthy, then my future is not going in the right direction. But really what ends up happening is we end up just adding another thing to our list that we're trying to focus on. Or maybe what even happens is, as we focus on self-care, we pull back in different areas. And if we aren't careful, we pull back in the areas that matter the most. Right? So it's like, oh, it's been a long week. So instead of going to church, instead of spending my time with God, I think I'm just going to head out on the lake. I'm going to go fishing, or I'm going to stay at home, I'm going to relax. I'm going to get some cleaning done, i got a lot of yard work that's got to get done. It's been, it, my, my week's been tough. The kids had a long week. I'm going to give them a choice. Do you want to go to church? Do you not? Different things like that. And, and we end up pulling back in areas that really we, we need to be able to make it through the next week. And this doesn't fix it. So I want to propose a new way for us this morning to get away, to get away from the focus on me and my own focus and put it where it should be. All right, so I want us to read Colossians 3 again. It says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. All right, so not focusing on things of earth, focusing on God and the future that we have with him. So the problem that most of us would have with the balance beam is this. We would get up on the balance beam, and we would be looking at my next step. Where's my foot going? Because I don't want to step over here. So we're, we're, we're like eyes focused here, trying to walk across this balance beam. Now anybody that knows what they're doing with a balance beam does not look at their feet. Right? They are trained to actually look at a distant spot that is fixed. It might be on the wall. It might be out in front of them. Could be the end of the beam, but it's something out there. And that's what they're focused on. And then when they begin to walk, they're focused on that spot. And you let your body just do kind of what it should do. And, and they walk forward in this. And this is the same with our lives. And what Paul is saying here for our walk with Christ is this. Don't be focused on what is right in front of you. Don't be focused on the things of earth. Don't be focused on your next step and every little thing that I'm doing, trying to make sure that I don't fall out of balance. Be focused on a fixed spot in the distance. Be focused on the realities of heaven. That is where your vision needs to be. And when we do this, when we focus on that fixed spot, it allows us to take the next step in life and not feel pulled as much in one way or the other. Where normally we are weighing all these decisions and looking down at our immediate spot and what needs to happen, I feel so overwhelmed by everything going on, all these decisions that I have to make, we now would focus on what is in the future and we would take our steps with that in mind instead of this. That's what we need to learn to do. We focus out here, not here. So when I'm making the summer calendar with my family, I'm doing it in light of this, not this. 
When I make decisions with my money, I'm doing it in light of this, not this. That distant spot, the realities of heaven is what Paul calls it. Saying, there is so much more than this. Last week, the eternal prize. This is what matters. This is what we focus on. We get out of balance when we are too focused right here in the immediate. Now, what do I need? So it's this motivation of why am I doing this? If Jesus is sitting on the throne, if that is where my ultimate prize lies, as Paul would say, then how do I make this decision? How do I schedule my life, my calendar, in light of that? Should my kid join T-ball? Well, if my motivation is I want them to be the best baseball player, they're going to make it to, into the MLB, and they're going to make tons of money, have a better life, and then they're going to buy me the cabin that I want, and all these things. If that's your motivation, then your answer is probably, I, I don't know if you should be doing that. Even if your motivation is, well, I, I want them to get into this, I want them to make varsity, and maybe they get a scholarship, they get to a college, all these Like, if that's why we make decisions, based on the here and now in this, it doesn't make sense. You're going to feel out of balance. You're going to feel like you're pulled every direction. But if your motivation is this, you're like, should my kid join T-ball? Well, you know what? I'd like to get to know more people. And I'm probably going to get to know the parents in T-ball. And I'll probably get to share my life with them. And maybe I'll even get a chance to share my faith with them and see them encounter Jesus in a way that I have that has changed my life. Right? That's in the realities of heaven. If I start making decisions based on that, I'm no longer going to feel like I'm pulled in every direction and out of balance. I'm not going to feel like everything in the world is fighting for my time. Because it's not about trying this pressure of trying to make the right choice for all these opportunities. It's about, God, what are you calling me to? Where are you leading me? Where are you guiding me in this? Should I take this new job offer? Well, I don't know. Why are you taking it? Because you want more money? Because, it, because you want more vacation? Because of this? Because it's... Why are you taking it? Are you taking it because you feel like God's calling you to that job as your mission field? That there are going to be people there that, that you can reach, that you can, you can love, that you never would have been able to? And yeah, maybe the job makes more money, and that's great. And then you stop and say, okay, well, why am I making more money? What is the purpose of more money? What am I doing with this? Is it so that I can just have a bigger house, a better car, or just that I can do something for God's kingdom? It's been a long, difficult week. Should I go to church? Should I sign up for a life group? This is a busy season. Should I, should I be getting up early and, and opening up my Bible or, or doing this? Like all of these questions that once felt pressure on us, if we begin to focus on the right thing, they're not going to feel like pressure anymore. Everything we do, we bring back to that lens. And why would we bring it back to that lens? This sounds crazy. Why does every decision that I make have to be brought back to God? That seems just overkill. Like I, I'm not trying to be super Christian here. Why do I have to do this? Well, for one, that's, that's the commitment level that it takes. That's what we said last week. It takes commitment to be a follower of Jesus. That's the commitment level it takes. All right? For an Olympic athlete, they are hyper aware at every moment, every moment for them, that they are an Olympic athlete. When they are at a birthday party, they remember that they are an Olympic athlete. When cake is brought out, they remember that they are an Olympic athlete. They don't make decisions the same way as everyone else. When pressure is coming in, 
When our kids are wanting to do this and that, we remember that we follow Jesus. At every moment, we are hyper aware of this. We signed up for this. This is what we said when we said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Verse 3 said, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. This life, what is happening right now around us, we, we died to that. This isn't our real life. Our real life is with Jesus. And when everything is made right, that's where our glory lies. Our glory doesn't lie right now in having the best things and being the best at whatever it would be. Our glory lies in the future new creation with Jesus. Not right now in the things around us. All right, I want to be winning gold when it comes to the eternal prize that is in our future. That, that's what I want to be doing with my life. I think life can be terrifying. We think that if we misstep once, everyone is waiting to pounce on you and point out all of your mistakes. The reality is walking through this life shouldn't be scary. Walking across a balance beam is terrifying for some myself included. But when we realize that the Holy Spirit is walking with us right there in step, hand in hand, in this life, we should not be terrified. Like if you were to get up on a balance beam and walk and you have, you have someone right there holding your hand as you walk through there, it is going to be so much easier. And we just forget that we have that. That is available to us. The Holy Spirit gives us the balance that we need to accomplish everything that God is calling us to do, not what the world is calling you to do. All right, so if you have been feeling overwhelmed lately, if you feel like your life has been this massive balancing act, all right, and things feel out of step, and you're getting pulled in every direction, and you don't even know if you're making the right choices and putting your energy and attention where it should be, I would say that there is a good chance you are not walking in step with the Holy Spirit. All right, and this is not like me trying to come down on somebody and be like, get your act together. This is saying, we need to have a moment where we stop and say, that's right. I, I don't have to live this life that the world is telling me I have to live. I don't have to play their game. And most importantly, I don't have to do this on my own. And we just forget those simple truths sometimes. So, this is our opportunity this morning, right now, to take a step back. And, and I want us to ask ourselves a few questions. All right? And Carrie, you can come. And I think these, these questions just give us a practical start. This allows us to say, am I maybe out of step? And why might that be? So the first question is this, and I'm kind of sticking with the gymnastics theme here because that's what we're doing. All right, who am I performing for? That's our first question. Who is it that you are performing for in life? Are you trying to do everything and make these decisions and live this life for other people around you? Are you trying to prove something to your parents? Are you trying to be one step ahead of a sibling or your neighbors or a coworker? 
Are you wanting other people to look at your life and say, wow, I wish I had that life. I wish I could do what they're doing. I wish I had the house that they have. What, who is it that you're performing for? Because when we understand this and when, when our sight is not on the beam in front of us and when it's fixed on a distant spot in the future, we are performing for an audience of one. And that is incredibly important. That is incredibly freeing in life. When you no longer care about the people around you and what they think, and you only care, what does God see in my life? What am I doing? When that's a place that you can land, you're not going to feel like you're in this balancing act and there's all this pressure. Who are you performing for? Second question, who is setting my routine? All right, like for the balance beam, they pick their, their routine. They pick what, what difficulty, they pick which tricks are going in there. And when you read into this, like, this is dumb. I read way too much about gymnastics this week, okay? When you read this, like they very much so, they, they are setting up their difficulty score to complement who they are. Like different countries are better at different things. I was reading it. In China, they are better at moving from one trick into the next. This like perfect, fluid, like not missing anything. So they combo all these difficult things together. But the difficulty of them isn't as crazy. You have people like Simone Biles from the U.S. And she just, she's a beast. And she just gets up and does the hardest thinking things you've ever seen. And she doesn't worry about comboing them into the next and doing it all smooth. Because she's like, you can't do what I can do. So I'm gonna get up and do what I can do, right? Like, and they, they have set this up, they have tailored it to themselves and they know their strengths. So for us in this room, when you are thinking about your life and you are thinking about what you are putting into your life and, and the things you choose to do, who is making that decision? Are you actually making that decision? Are you sitting down and saying, what should I be doing? What has God gifted me in? What are my passions? How can I be used best? Or are you, again, looking outside of yourself, looking at someone else and wishing that you were doing what they were doing, wishing you had the gifts that they had? Are you allowing pressure from the outside to say, this is what you should be doing? You're this age, this is what your life should look like, get your act together and do this. Or are you taking a step back and saying, no, I need to set this. I want God to use me. But he's going to use me in what he has gifted me in. He's going to use me in what I am passionate in. And I don't need to try and be anybody else. Who is setting your routine? And then lastly, where is my focus? Is my focus on the step right in front of me? Like th this is the trick. It would, it would make sense that you should look at your next step. And it would make sense that in our life, when everything gets out of control and you feel overwhelmed, that you sit down with a spreadsheet and you try and map everything out and I can make this all work, I can make it all fit together. I can do it. There's enough time in the day. Sleep's overrated. I can do this. Are you allowing your focus to get sucked in into the difficulty 
into the problems, into the next step, into what our world would say we should focus on? Or are you able to look at life and focus on the realities of heaven, as Paul says? Focus on the future distant spot. Because that's what everything comes back to for us. And I think that if we can answer these three questions, and we can answer them in the right way, maybe you're sitting here and you're realizing that you don't like the answer to one of these questions for you. Perfect. That's why we're here. This is, this is what we do. We say, okay, God, shape me, form me, move me. Because I think that if we can handle these three, if we can say, I feel confident. I feel confident in these. I feel confident I'm performing for God. I feel confident that I, I am setting my routine. God is setting my routine for me. He is the one that's speaking to me, guiding me, and giving me all of this. And that my focus is on Him. If you can say that to each one of these questions, I don't think you are going to feel the pressure that you once felt. You are not going to feel like everything around you is complicating everything. So let's do this. Can we stand across this room? I want to give us a moment. And hopefully, hopefully, these moments that we have at the end of the service are not all that we give God to speak to us, right? Like every week we try and do this, but realize this, this is the springboard for what God should be able to speak to you this week. All right, this is, this is the springboard moment. This is not everything. Like God, you got 60 seconds now, download everything. This is God, begin to stir me right now and don't stop. Keep speaking. I want to hear you when I am driving home today. I want to hear you this afternoon. I want to hear you tomorrow at work. I want to hear you all week long. But right now, let's give God this moment, this springboard, for him just to speak to us. I want you to honestly answer these questions. If you have a notepad, if you have a phone, you want to write these down, and you want to write down some answers, go for it. But let's take 60 seconds, 90 seconds here. Let's focus on these. And say, God, where am I at? God, I pray right now, if we've been feeling pressure in our life, maybe that pressure has been put on by people outside of us. Maybe we feel like we have to live up to something. Maybe that pressure's been internal where, where we just have incredibly high goals and, and, and standards for ourselves that we, we want to see something happen. Lord, I pray that we would just be able to rest in you. We would find peace that just comes from you. God, and that it, it would be a natural, a natural outpouring of the focus of our life. God, and that that focus would be on you. How many of you today would say 
that you feel like you have a, a greater pressure in your life than you think is probably healthy and, and it's something that needs to change. How many of you guys would say that's where you are? By show of hands. Yep. God, I just pray for every single person in this spot. Help us just to be focused on you. God, I pray that you continue to speak to us this week. That it wouldn't stop here. God, that we would just feel your hand guiding us every step of the way. Lord, that we would know that the Holy Spirit is right there walking in step with us. That is what is available to us. That we don't have to do this on our own. God, and then we would actually let you lead the way instead of trying to say that, invite you to follow us. God, I, I pray that we would follow you. Last thing before we go, maybe you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus in your life. That this is something that's new for you. Maybe it's your first time in the church. Maybe you've been going to church a long time, but you've never committed to your, your life to following Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to do that. So if that's you and you want to say, I want to live for Jesus. I'm done trying to do this on my own. I'm done trying to do it my own way. Instead, I want to follow him. I want to do it his way. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up this morning? And if this is something that, that you have questions on, I want to encourage you, talk with me. But can we do this together just kind of a, as a declaration as we are saying that we are living for Jesus and we are committed to this and we want to give it everything that we have. Can we just say these words together? Maybe you've said something like this before. That's fine, but can we just across the room? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking away all of my mistakes. I want to surrender my life to you. Help me to follow you the rest of my days. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that? If you made that decision this morning, uh, if that's the first time, on the Connect card, there is a spot that you can just check a little box that says, I made a decision to follow Jesus because I would love to get in contact with you. I'd love to follow up and just say, hey, how can we help you? We're not going to sign you up for a million things. We just want to say, what is it that we can be praying about? What can we be doing? How can we be helping you in your life?